chapter seven of the subjection of isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter seven gabriel carr in a new and hideous vicarage built in a new and hideous suburb of london dwelt the reverend gabriel carr it was not a slum if it had been he could have borne it better it was merely a highly respectable and unbeautiful spot inhabited by a highly respectable and unbeautiful population for several years he had worked in the east end and had fought face to face with apollyon in that valley of the shadow a hard fight it is true a struggle to the very death but a battle not without a certain dramatic force and reality which inspired the fighter with courage and strength then the bishop appointed carr to the forming of a brand-new parish in the centre of a brand-new suburb one of those staring yellow-brick suburbs which are increasingly wont to disfigure the face of the earth in the immediate neighbourhood of large cities here gabriel worked as hard as he had ever worked in the valley of the shadow and was as ready to fight but he was forced to admit to his own soul that the work was less interesting the battle less exciting with a criminal class that publicly blasphemed and privately defied the deity he knew how to deal but not with a lower middle class that outwardly patronized and inwardly ignored him carr's new parishioners seemed far too smug and self-satisfied to need salvation at all and far too respectable and independent to accept it as a free gift if at all he felt that they would resent receiving even the grace of god as a charity but would expect it to be paid for out of the rates and that being so they had a right to it without the intervention of any priest or prophet whatsoever nevertheless so great was carr's power of success and so strong his personality he succeeded in doing a good work even in that unpromising locality when first he was appointed vicar of st ethelreda's he folded his flock in one of those galvanized iron sanctuaries which are anything but chapels of ease in nature whatever they may be in name and there he and his people for several years suffered tortures from the frost of winter and the heat of summer by turns but with his usual unfailing energy he gradually collected sufficient money to build a permanent church and sufficient worshippers to fill it he believed that ritualism and revivalism are the only two forms of religion which have power to attract the masses that it is through the seeing eye and the hearing ear that the hearts of the uneducated are reached so that while to the wise and learned the visible sign is but the expression of the invisible reality to the unlearned and ignorant the invisible reality is the explanation of the visible sign therefore carr availed himself of both these handmaids of religion in the services of st ethel but he 
also believe that though revivalism may plant and ritualism may water it is not in the power of either of these to give the increase results he trusted to higher hands and like all men who do their best and then leave the issue entirely in those hands he was not disappointed he succeeded at last at st ethelreda's as he had succeeded in the slums for even crass respectability is not permanently proof against the power of god thus gabriel served the lord in his day and generation and to use the old bible phrase god was with him i am going to have tea with gabriel carr this afternoon said isabel to her guest the day after the little dinner party in prince's gardens will you come with me certainly it will interest me to see mr carr in his own home and in the midst of his usual surroundings it will help me to understand the manner of man that he is i do not think we ever really know much about other people until we have seen them in their accustomed environment mrs seaton shook her head it won't help you much in understanding gabriel as his surroundings are not an atom like himself i didn't say they were or even think it and if you expect him to resemble those insects who look like twigs because they live among twigs or those animals who have white coats from dwelling in arctic regions you will be disappointed he lives in a square house built of dirty yellow bricks one of those dreary unornamented houses that look as if they had no eyebrows or eyelashes and haven't the time to wash their faces and yet his own character is not built of yellow bricks at all but has as many foundations as the new jerusalem and is of as rare and costly materials just so unlikeness may be as certain a result as likeness that is my whole point oh my dear you are too subtle for me not at all the whiteness of a diamond is as much the result of its environment as that of a polar bear is the result of his sometimes like produces like sometimes like produces unlike but both productions are equally results i suppose suggested isabel that the difference depends upon the strength of the environment two blacks must be very black indeed before they can make a white no it depends upon the nature of the thing itself fabia answered rather shortly isabel's habit of speaking lightly and half mockingly about everything always irritated her she took life and herself seriously and was as yet too young to have learnt how nearly akin are tears and laughter she did not know that smiles are oftener a surer symptom than tears of a tender and understanding heart but isabel pursued her way unabashed i see no amount of fervent heat would turn a piece of carbon into a polar bear while the most intense and microbe destroying frost wouldn't change a polar bear into a diamond tiara the raw material differing in the two cases it's like the difference between exports and imports one is one and the other is the other and it is a mortal sin against political economy to confound the two but what is really the difference between them i've never been able to understand 
fabia's lip curled slightly ignorance of any kind was contemptible to her i should have thought that you the wife of a distinguished politician would have known a thing like that i wonder your husband hasn't explained it to you he has often that's why i don't understand it you will find my dear fabia when you have lived as long as i have that all life's mysteries are comprehensible but not its explanations i have great sympathy with the old woman who said she understood the pilgrim's progress and she hoped soon with the help of the lord to be able to understand the key i always understand everything until it is explained to me and then i never understand it again as long as i live fabia did not speak but silently marvelled how could any woman thus positively glory in apparent ignorance and stupidity and a woman too so naturally sharp and clever as isabel if she had found herself on any point wanting in knowledge or intelligence she would never have given herself away by openly admitting it but isabel took the world at large into her confidence with regard to her own deficiencies but this again though fabia did not know it was merely a consequence of the red cord for instance isabel rattled on i used to understand perfectly the difference between exports and imports i said to myself the one goes out and the other comes in and that seemed as plain as the nose on your face which by the way on yours is a singularly pretty one but then paul must take it into his head to expound to me that what went in at one ear so to speak came out at the other and was changed from an import to an export in the process and from that moment i was lost i never again understood the difference between an export and an import and i never shall fabia wondered whether isabel knew she was a fool when she talked like this she did not grasp that it was because isabel knew she was no fool and knew that her world knew it also that she amused herself and it by sometimes behaving as one in the same way the latter continued i used to understand perfectly whether the twentieth century was to begin with the year nineteen hundred or the year nineteen hundred and one until the day paul explained it to me by taking a hundred apples out of one basket and putting them into another and from that day to this i've never known when the twentieth century would begin or whether it would ever begin at all but we were talking about mr carr suggested fabia so we were how clever of you to remember to know what one is talking about is one of the highest forms of intelligence well will you come and have tea with him this afternoon or will you not it is purely optional not compulsory as education is and as adult vaccination ought to be i have already told you that i will i shall be immensely interested to see mr carr in that house of his own which you have assured me is so unfit a casket for the jewel that it contains don't be sarcastic my dear men hate a satirical woman like poison and a sharp tongue is to them as a serpent's tooth fabia did not answer but she raged inwardly she 
always resented isabel's easy assumption of authority and superior knowledge and when as in the present case fabia knew her hostess was in the right she hated it still more and there was no doubt that isabel frequently was in the right a woman who has lived for nearly forty years in the heart of the world and has kept her eyes open and unblinded by temper or prejudice has generally seen a good deal after lunch the two ladies set out for st ethel's vicarage they soon left what isabel called the habitable parts of the earth that is to say those portions of london occupied by its more fashionable denizens behind them and drove through long miles of mean streets until they reached the dreary suburb where gabriel carr had his abode and specially dreary it appeared on this april afternoon when the rest of the world was alive with the message of spring at last they found their way to the yellow brick vicarage and were duly welcomed by its master there was no doubt that the vicar of st ethel's was a singularly handsome man his beauty which was the bequest of an italian grandmother being of that first-class order which impresses the beholders more with a sense of how fair is the soul that inhabits such a tenement than with a consciousness of the beauty of the body which that soul informs the only flaw in the otherwise almost statuesque perfection of his appearance was to be found in his hands which were more like those of an artisan than of a gentleman but these also in their own way bore testimony to the beauty of his soul for he had spoiled them by the manual labour which he had done as a comrade and an example to the youths in his parish he had worked willingly with his hands in order to teach them and help them to work willingly with theirs he had opened a carpenter's shop and had instructed them himself on certain evenings every week in all simple and useful forms of carpentry for the rest he was dark and thin of a light and graceful build and with a face expressive of intelligence and spirituality so ascetic was his type and so refined his style of countenance that he looked more like a mediaeval monk than a modern parish priest he received his visitors with many expressions of delight and conducted them into his bare and bachelor drawing-room one of those typical bachelor drawing-rooms which are so to speak full of the absence of a woman he might have flowers upon his altar but he had not one upon his mantelpiece there were none of those pretty knick-knacks about whereby women create a home atmosphere and at the same time harbour dust but everything looked as cold and clean and unlived in as a bedroom that is prepared for the nursing of a fever patient the fire had evidently been lighted just long enough to awaken into life all the damp dormant in the room and it crackled to itself in that spiteful way which fires have when they think they ought not to have been lighted at all gabriel had only three photographs in his room namely the interior of his church and the exterior of his mother and his bishop and even these had nothing in the shape of a frame to soften the severity and squareness of their cardboard cabinet outlines 
an unfurnished tea-tray was already upon the table but as there seemed little hope of its being occupied for some considerable time gabriel suggested that they should go and inspect the church to fill up the interval until such good time as the kitchen kettle should see fit to boil so into st etheldreda's they went and were struck as were all who entered that church with the difference between its plain and unimposing outside and its rich and ornate interior outwardly it was an ugly and unassuming structure but inwardly it was a perfect instance of how beautiful divine service may be when conducted according to the rites of that branch of the holy catholic church established in this kingdom gabriel was strictly anglican he allowed nothing in his church that was not permitted nay enjoined by the ornaments rubric he would have scorned to borrow from rome any outward form which signified no corresponding doctrine in the section of the church to which he owed his allegiance he would not even permit the children in his sunday schools to observe any act of ritual until they had first been taught the fundamental truth which that act symbolized he knew how helpful it oftentimes is to us who still see through a glass darkly to be reminded by outward symbolisms of the great truths upon our acceptance of which depends the salvation of our souls and it always will be helpful to some of us until the day dawns when we see face to face and know even as we are known but he knew also that while the ceremony which serves to recall and expound a truth may be a help the meaningless form which has no root in reality must always be a hindrance therefore gabriel was no mere ritualist for ritualism's sake but he prided himself upon showing what the services of the church of england really are when rightly and rigidly performed whatever of symbol and form and ornament this branch of the catholic church allows of that he availed himself to the full rejecting firmly however all mediaeval and modern accretions and superstitions and reverting as far as possible to the usages of the early and undivided church the beauty of everything within the walls of st etheldreda's appealed very strongly to isabel's artistic temperament hers was one of the natures which instinctively recognise the indissoluble connection between the beautiful and the true and which understand that beauty can never be a rival of truth but is rather an exponent of it upon fabia however the effect was altogether different hers was a more sensuous nature than isabel's and she therefore rated the intrinsic excellencies of anything in an inverse proportion to its appeal to her senses she believed that in this she was more purely intellectual than her friend but here she was mistaken it is no proof of intense spirituality when men and women regard as snares of the devil all the beauties of nature and of art but rather the reverse he may be a good man in whom the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh but he is a still better man in whom the flesh is so subservient to the spirit that the one expresses and typifies the other turning into a very sacrament every incident in daily life so that god may be all in all 
when gabriel and his guests returned to the vicarage the tea was ready that strong rampant tea stiffened with self-supporting london cream which many men and few women enjoy and the vicar poured it out himself i see you have chairs in your church instead of pews mr carr remarked fabia and i want to know why chairs are always considered more virtuous than pews they aren't he replied except in so far as economy is a virtue they are much cheaper that is my sole reason for having them they are nothing like as comfortable as pews said isabel because there's nowhere to put your legs let alone your umbrella and my umbrella ought to have a prize for regular attendance at public worship and do you feel you couldn't bring it to st ethelreda's mrs seaton there would be nowhere for it to sit on if i did that's why i hate chairs they are so cramped it may be the right thing to be content to fill a little space as the hymn-writer was but i am not content to fill a little space because i fill it so completely that there are no outlying districts where i can plant my gloves and my boa and my other etceteras and that is so very uncomfortable both for me and for them why don't you annex another chair suggested fabia oh that would look so horribly greedy and selfish i don't mind annexing a little bit of extra pew in fact i feel that belongs to me by right and on the same principle as a ditch always belongs to the owner of the other side of the hedge a sort of perquisite but coolly to annex a whole empty chair on which an immortal soul might and ought to be sitting i couldn't do such a thing at any price i've always been led to believe that it was things like that with a difference which brought about the french revolution then mr carr don't you consider pews sinful inquired fabia not at all merely expensive sin is always expensive but expense is not necessarily sinful and pews are harmless if costly pleasures and you don't object to people paying rents for them as so many churchmen do oh but i do object miss vipart object with all my heart i consider it contrary to all the principles of christianity for there to be any difference in the house of god there the rich and the poor meet together to worship the maker of them all and they meet on equal footing of dependence upon him have pews by all means if you can afford them but let the pews be free you've trodden upon one of mr carr's most carefully cultivated corns said isabel with a laugh that is so admitted gabriel people especially english people love to have something which sets them as they think apart from their fellows something which proves that they are not as other men or even as this publican they are never so happy as when they stick up a red cord somewhere and go themselves on one side of it leaving everybody else on the other i feel sure that most british subjects when they indulge in dreams of heaven substitute a red cord for those pearly gates which are never shut but the cord is fastened across pretty often and is only let down in favour of themselves and of such of their friends as entirely agree with them fabia was roused from her usual apathy at last she had found some one who understood i know what you mean by your red cord she said slowly it is very common very cruel and very english cruel 
i should just think it is cruel exclaimed the vicar it is positively merciless i think you exaggerate it altogether said isabel to me it is more amusing than anything else after all if a little bit of red cord at one and eleven pence halfpenny a yard constitutes human happiness why on earth shouldn't people have as much of it as they want enough to hang themselves in fact for the good reason that they don't hang themselves they hang other people mrs seaton to whom the operation is less necessary and more painful well for my part i like it replied isabel coolly it may be wicked but i do i love to see a red cord fall down before me like the walls of jericho and rise up again the moment i have passed through everybody feels like that it's human nature and if you try to make out that the israelites didn't enjoy it when seas and rivers made way for them and not for the canaanites and egyptians i simply shan't believe you and the israelites were considered very good people in their way gabriel smiled yes in their way but it wasn't the christian way you see and ours is that makes all the difference isabel sighed i forgot that yes i suppose one could hardly call them christians hardly mrs seaton gabriel was still smiling he knew isabel knew that she was far better than she made herself out to be far better than she herself had any idea of he knew that her half-childish vanity delighted in passing through social barriers but he also knew that more than half her delight consisted in being able to take other people with her she might have enjoyed crossing the red sea on dry land but she would never have consented to leave pharaoh's host behind she sighed again oh dear do you remember the baby in alice in wonderland that made a very ugly baby but a very handsome pig well i seem to make a very ugly christian but a very handsome jewess i am referring of course to moral beauty i am sorry to be so wicked but i do like red cords and it's no use pretending that i don't i believe the reason why i always enjoy the preaching at st margaret's westminster is because there is a red cord there licensed to hold only members of parliament and their wives i'll be bound you always want to take somebody else in with you said carr yes i do partly from good nature and partly because it is against the rules members of parliament are only allowed one wife even on sundays poor things and it does seem such short commons especially when there is a popular preacher turned on a red cord is just the sort of thing you would like said fabia with suppressed scorn i should have expected it of you then i am glad you are not disappointed retorted isabel i rarely disappoint my friends although gabriel knew precisely how much isabel's liking of this red cord amounted to he wished she had not openly praised it in fabia's presence as he felt sure that the girl would misunderstand her and he was right parish priests learn a great deal about human nature in the course of their ministrations it is a rule and sometimes a very unfortunate rule that we are apt in our intercourse with others to take whatever role they may in their own minds have allotted to us even if that role is unlike even opposed to our natural one instead of endeavouring to prove that certain persons are wrong when they are so in thinking us dull or sarcastic or flippant we become when in the company of these persons the very things which they erroneously suppose us to be 
sometimes unconsciously sometimes even against our will we are for the time being not our real selves at all but the creatures of our companions imaginations this may be partly due to a sort of false pride that will not allow us to justify ourselves when we have been so misjudged but probably more to the effect of mind upon mind by expecting us to have certain qualities these people temporarily endow us with those qualities and we actually are dull or sarcastic or flippant when in their society therefore it behooves us all to think the best and to expect the highest of each other until the charity which believeth all things and hopeth all things shall at last see faith and hope lost in full fruition yes you have never felt the lash of the red cord mrs seaton said carr gently you have always been on the right side of it isabel laughed carelessly the people who take things for granted never know quite how hard life is to the people who do not well at any rate you can't have much of the questionable material in a place like this that's one comfort for you can't i though that's all you know about it why it is one of my greatest stumbling-blocks and it is always getting in the way and tripping up my people in their road to heaven don't imagine for a moment that the sin of exclusiveness is confined to the upper classes in fact no sin is the devil may have his faults but he is no snob i am sorry to say i only wish he were it would make work in the unfashionable parishes far easier than it is for the clergy but i should have thought that the people here were all on the same dead level like their houses said isabel not a bit of it they appear so to us i admit but doubtless we appear so to the angels it is merely a question of perspective when i first came here in the fullness and innocence of my heart i invited a few of the leading parishioners to tea i thought it would bring them closer together and so it did too close i discovered that there were deep and impassable social gulfs yawning between apparently co-equal retail tradesmen they bitterly complained that not only was it distasteful to sit at meat with social inferiors but after that after thus sitting together they could hardly give each other the pass by in the street but were compelled to move to one another thenceforward and to move to any one evidently entails serious social responsibilities which must not wantonly or inadvisedly be taken in hand gabriel asked miss vipart to sing to us said isabel rising from her chair and opening the piano gabriel's one and only luxury i'm sure she will if you ask her prettily it was one of mrs seaton's good points that she never lost an opportunity of showing off another woman to the best advantage she did not know what jealousy or envy meant but fabia resented even this regarding it as a form of patronage and would probably have refused had not gabriel turned to her at that moment with a beseeching expression in his eyes adding his entreaties to isabel's personal attraction had a great effect upon fabia it was only beauty in the abstract that failed to command her homage she would not be as conscious as was isabel of the beauty of a sermon but she would be far more conscious of the beauty of the preacher 
the one woman admired gabriel because he was good the other because he was good-looking therefore carr being a handsome man fabia did as he asked her just as she would probably have obeyed isabel had isabel been a beautiful woman it is an accepted theory that a woman's personal beauty is the surest passport to the love of man but it is a far surer passport to the love of other women so she sat down at the piano and began to sing and as she sang the reason of her loneliness and isolation became apparent for she owned that strange gift which is called genius the possessors whereof are always set apart from their fellow-men as she sang gabriel felt as if the heavens had opened and earth with its sordid cares and petty interests had drifted far away on the wings of that song his soul was uplifted End of chapter seven